This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hello, welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brock, the founder of MrDad.com. Single mothers may have been something of a rarity in the past, but today 40% of babies are born to unmarried women. Yet single mothers continue to face myriad unique challenges. As most of them will tell you, financial pressures, mom guilt, and the struggle to find work-life balance greatly intensify when they're forced to raise children on their own. My guest for this part of the show, Emma Johnson, has experienced these hardships firsthand. Searching for the advice she needed to navigate her new life as a single professional woman and parent, she discovered that there was very little sage wisdom available. In response, she launched a popular blog called WealthySingleMommy.com to speak to other women who, like herself, wanted to not just survive but thrive as single moms. In this part of today's show, we're going to be talking about a lot of the issues that single moms face. We're talking about things like finding a support network, your single mom identity, what being a kick-ass single mom means, actually. She's got information on getting out of debt, on estate planning, on college savings, and, of course, sex and dating. So if you're a single mom or you know one, and who doesn't these days, stick around. You're not going to want to miss this show. I'm Armin Brock. We'll dive in right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brock, after this, from the MrDad.com radio network. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. We want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott. My guest for this part of today's show is Emma Johnson, who's the author of The Kick-Ass Single Mom, Be Financially Independent, Discover Your Sexiest Self, and Raise Fabulous Happy Children. Emma, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. You've really set up a a difficult challenge there. Plus, you've got the, the way that the mom's head is inside the O of mom. It looks like a halo. So... <laughs> well, needlessly, I'm the writer, not the designer. Yeah, no, I mean it. Just the the whole thing. It's it sets up this incredibly high standard. How can anybody live up to that? Well, that's that's the, the goal. It's supposed to be. I thought this was the positive parenting show. So it's, it's <laughs> that's true. Us all. We're all we're all dealing with the realities of life, right? Myself included. But that's what we all want, right? We want we want to be fulfilled in our careers and have our own money and to have great romantic lives. I mean, these are. I've been working in the single mom space for more than five years now through my blog, Wealthy Single Bombing. 
And these are just the big challenges that I found that moms were facing, that the world's telling us that we're going to be broke, that we're going to be lonely romantically, and that our kids are going to be messed up. And we just know that's not the case. Do we? I mean, do well, do, I mean, do people really so know that? that? Or because there seems to be, there's a lot of guilt out there. I mean, there's 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 so much guilt with with mothers who are in intact relationships about that they're not doing enough. And it just seems like, I mean, I've been a single dad for many years and like, you know, it's hard enough to do it by yourself and it's, it's doubly hard to do it alone. Well, it can be unless uh, you're not in a great relationship. I mean, it's easier to do alone than it is in a bad marriage. I mean, that's, that's definitely what I found. And there, and that's what the science shows. I mean, the science shows that, Divorce or single parenthood by itself is not the indicator for, let's say, messed up kids. It's poverty. It's fatherlessness. It's the social support of the family. Um, there's lots of other factors. Just parenting solo in and of itself is not the risk. Okay. All right, so let's let's talk about money since you mentioned that first. What is it that is in our heads that single mothers all of a sudden become poverty-stricken? I mean, certainly there's some. Right. There's going to be some guys who are not doing what they're supposed to be doing if there is child support involved. But at this point in, in the 21st century, so many single mothers or so many mothers in general are completely self-sufficient financially. So what happens? So what happens, well, like we're in a time of quickly changing gender roles, uh, especially when it comes to money. I think it all really comes down to money. We're never going to close the pay gap. We're never going to have real equality. We're never going to stop talking about all these sexual assault uh, situations that are just completely monopolizing the headlines for the last couple of months until women are financially equal with men. And I have a belief that a lot of this can be happening in family court. I mean, the numbers of, of separated families, we'll call them separated families, because you know, the majority of single-parent households are not um, as a result of divorce. It's uh, young moms, young families, couples having kids outside of wedlock. So when we're talking about money, um, things are changing very quickly. We're seeing a lot of changes in family courts, divorce courts. Let's start with alimony. I mean, 40, 50 years ago when we started having divorce surges in the United States, women didn't have financial power. Women had so few economic opportunities. I mean, women could not even get credit cards in their own name until 1973. It was a completely different era than it is today. And while we have a lot of work to do in gender equality, women can earn their own living. Mothers can earn their own living. And alimony presumption or the presumption that women should be dependent on men financially for the rest of their lives, it's just not only is it dated and not relevant anymore, it holds women back. And that is really my goal, for women to not only be changing the behaviors, but first changing their expectations of themselves and people around them. But then what happens with the kids, right? So women are working and earning. Most majority of women are, and certainly the vast majority of unmarried moms are. But what happens with the kids? Who's taking care of the kids? Well, we need to be sharing the care responsibility, right? We need to be really prioritizing shared parenting and the presumption that both parents are equally responsible for the hours, the time that it takes to raise children. And thankfully, thanks to some amazing advocates, uh, that is becoming more and more common. Uh, it's becoming the presumption in family courts, and that is changing the economics. They're completely intertwined, parenting time and money. Mm -hmm. And when you have two homes where both parents are equally responsible for caring for the kids, 
They both have to have about the same amount of real estate. They're both paying utility bill. They're both paying for food. And then you divvy up things like the uh, child care expenses and health insurance and sports and all the extracurriculars that are, of course, expensive out-of-pocket expenses. But that's not child support, right? That's something else. That's the extras, as we call them. So it completely changes the mentality about what it takes to be a separated family. And it's about gender equality. Well, don't you think that also puts a little bit of weight onto the mothers to actively encourage the dad to get involved because the the way that the courts are still set up, there's still there, there is getting to be more of a presumption of shared custody or shared parenting time or whatever whatever you'd like to call it, depending on where you are. It's a different thing. But a lot of guys feel that they're excluded uh, in, yeah. in the case of divorce. And a lot of moms say, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of joking a lot of times, but they really aren't. But, oh, I don't think he can handle this. And... and there you don't get to say, just because you had bear, bore the child, lived in your body, maybe nursed the child, you are not presumed to be the better parent. They really have to, and it's tough. I mean, as a mom, I know I felt like the better parent. I got, I was went through a divorce, and my, my, my youngest was being born in the middle of my divorce, and I was nursing, and it was so traumatic. And I was like, what do you mean you're going to take these kids overnight? And the overnight didn't happen for a while because the babies were so small. But I was like, could not get my head around the idea that somebody else was going to be my equal parent. I was the mommy, right? They needed me. But I have come a long way, and my parenting situation has come a long way. And I can tell you that I am not the better parent because I am a mom. And we cannot have gender equality in this. And we know there's so much research. There's 55 peer-reviewed studies that show that shared parenting, again, we define shared parenting as approximately equal time with both parents, 40% minimum time. And we're living in the real world, right? Like people have work, people go on vacation. Like like we're living in the real world. Like we don't want people to have rigid 50-50, right? We're encouraging flexibility. But when they have shared parenting, that is what is best for kids, including in high-conflict families, couples. That's what's remarkable to me, including in high conflict situations. It is still best for kids when they have equal access to both parents. All right. So how do you get the parents to go along with this kind of a thing? Because there still is in the the divorce industry, if you want to call it, or the separation industry. There's still going to be lawyers involved, and there there are a lot more people who now are doing collaborative divorce where you'll have one lawyer will be not exactly representing both people, but they'll be working together towards coming up with something that works, the kind of thing that you're talking about, has co-parenting where, where people are looking for the, putting their differences aside and they're moving on the best interest of the child. But how do you explain that to a mom or a dad for that matter, but we are talking about moms, uh, that that's in the best interest of your child, even though you might be really angry at the other person for doing whatever it is that he did? Right, and it's it's tough. I mean, I really think what's proven, there's a few states that are real leaders in the shared parenting case, Arizona being one of them, and it really it really just starts in the family courts where people walk in, and it kind of doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what each parent assumes. It's like, okay, you're splitting up. Uh, there's, you know, we presume that both parents are safe. Like, that's the presumption, right? There's no abuse cases that we presume that fathers are not abusing their children. Right, which is a nice thing. Yeah, and it's too bad that we have to go there, but that is the presumption. Right. And it's shared, and it might be upsetting, but you know what? We're talking about a social revolution here, and that is painful. 
me, I literally it was so traumatic for me when I thought about giving up this time with my kids. I literally got out a calculator and wanted to count the number of hours I would be with my kid and to try to reconcile this. But fast forward, not too much time, and the number one fight that I had with my ex-husband for years was trying to get him to take the kids more. Because guess what? Parenting, moms listening to this, parenting is exhausting. And it is taxing. So fast forward today, my share parenting looks like I actually still have the kids the majority of the time. And the reasons for that are lengthy. But I have been traveling a lot for work. I can call my ex-husband. He takes the kids. Yep. A couple of years ago, I would be hiring babysitters. I would be flying in right. relatives. I would be juggling and struggling. and Or I would be turning down professional opportunities and compromising my career and my financial prospects. Yep. Emma Johnson's the author of the kick-ass single mom, Be Financially Independent, Discover Your Sexiest Self, and Raise Fabulous Happy Children. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep talking to Emma. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. You hear it every time you finish a meal and never feel anything. But if we were able to associate this sound with a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask. Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change your after-meal behaviour through brainwashing. Because food waste costs the average family $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. And $1,500 extra bucks is like getting a pay raise. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Which could pay for your child's braces. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Check out my braces. So when you hear this sound... Rethink your behavior. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke, F-A-S-T, fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Broad. If you're just listening or just joining us, uh, we're talking with Emma Johnson, who's the author of The Kick-Ass Single Mom. I want to have you get into some of the, the specifics. We talked about uh, shared parenting time. We talked about money. Um you have some items in your in, in the book that you talk about estate planning for single moms, college savings for single moms. Let's talk a little bit about some some of those budgeting items that may be difficult. I mean, they're they're difficult under the best of circumstances. And how do you do it on on one income? Well, yeah. So, like estate planning, for example, that's a really great one. I mean, nobody wants to deal with estate planning, writing your will, uh, next of kin. I mean, these are just like the unpleasantries of life. And, you know, I 
fact, I'm a financial journalist and I write about the importance of having an estate plan and I am guilty of avoiding mine for many years because it is so painful and I think it can often be taken up to an especially uncomfortable level when you have a not traditional family. And and it's expensive to your question. It can be very expensive. I happen to be a fan of Legal Zoom, which is an online uh, service, and it was great. I did it, and it, I think it cost me about 300 bucks. and they walked me through, and there was lawyers betting it on their side, and they got involved, and we went back and forth. They found some things that I missed, but the real part of it was not the 300 bucks. It was talking through uncomfortable things. The deal is, is that since my kid's dad is involved, he gets the kids, something happens to me. Right, and then it's about managing the estate and naming somebody to my uh, be the trustee of my estate. So it is so important. You know, it is just such a gift to your children to get these things tidied up. One, you you know you're supposed to do it. So I'm a big fan of you brought up guilt. Get all that negative crap in your head and get it out by taking care of it. Get that off of your mind. And then it's a, it's a gift, you know, that's forbid something happens to you, you're giving that to your kids. But the other part of it is when your kids are old enough to understand these things, by you being able to look them in the eye and say, you know, I've got this all squared away, that is a gift to them. So, you know, whether, even if they're adults and maybe there isn't, you're not giving them a lot of money, which I think is great. I don't think, you can go enjoy your money and spend it how you want. I don't think handing down big chunks of money is really good for anyone. That's my personal opinion. But to say that, you know what, this is not going to go to uh, uh, the court system. This is not going to go to a lawyer. I have taken care of it. It frees our children, and what a beautiful gift. All right, let's skip ahead to dating. I want to make sure we've got plenty of time for that one. That, that's something I know that uh, a lot of guys feel uneasy about diving into those waters again, partly because they don't want to have to deal with their kid, you know, introducing people to their kids and partly because it's just too exhausting. But what do you tell moms about, about dating? When is it okay? When, when do you introduce the kids? How do you even go about meeting people that will have some clue about that? I remember as a, as a single dad myself, you know, you meet people who don't have kids and there's something nice about that, but there's also something a little scary (laughs) about that. Well, it just depends for everyone. I I have dated a ton since my divorce. I've been unmarried now for oh seven eight years. It took me a good year and a half to really get into dating. I wasn't ready for a while, um, and then I had a couple serious. I'm in a serious relationship now, but I, there was a bunch of years in there where I just really just dated, just dated. I live in New York City, and I found it really fun to date in New York City. I've never been single New York. Do you know what? date go and date you are a romantic person that is a part of your person the essence of you and the idea that you say oh well you know i'm not going to date because i need to focus only on my children or it is one it is putting so much responsibility on your kids to fill you up uh i remember years ago reading this was even before i became a single mom i read this book called emotional incest and it just related to some challenges I was dealing with, like going dealing with my own childhood. I was raised by a single mom. And there's a whole subchapter in there that talks about single-parent families. It's not about single-parent single families. This book is called Emotional Incest. But it says, you know, emotional incest meaning that, you know, there's maybe no physical abuse or sexual abuse going on in a parent-child relationship. But you're putting your child in 
an adult role and fulfilling adult needs in the parent. So and this can happen in any family configuration whatsoever, but it pointed out that single-parent families are especially prone to this. This especially that is not saying all or every, but I would urge moms and dads to be cognizant of this because if you don't have a rich emotional companionship life, a, a romantic partner, romantic life, deep and many personal friendships, you're going to need to get that filled somewhere, and your kids are your closest proximity. So that I can very much understand why that is a risk. So the idea that the society tells moms, when you become a single mom, however you get there, you basically have two options, according to our world. One is that you become celibate, which is a total proc because you're an adult woman and you are a sexual person. Or two, you hurry up and get married again because your kids deserve, like, a whole family. Again, I reject that. Both of those are completely sexist notions. You can go and date however you want. You are totally free. We're very comfortable in our culture for single, childless people to go and date and have multiple romantic partners, multiple sexual partners, live with people outside of marriage. We're very comfortable with that, and we have been for decades. But women who are our mothers happen to be subject to these very old traditional models that I just reject. Do you want to go have a free life? You can do that. And I also reject the idea that you need to be deeply committed to somebody before your kids can meet them. I grew up, again, with a single mom, and, you know, I have great memories of her going on dates. This was back in the 80s, and it was a different dating culture then. Like now when I was dating more casually, I almost always meet guys out, out because I meet them online. That's just a big dating culture today versus 30 years ago. But my mom, these guys would come over and they'd bring her flowers. Can you imagine this? Wearing flowers like on a first date. That sounds so and quaint. They would, yeah. like, my mom would be all dressed up, and she'd be like all giddy and cute. And like, I've ne- like in hindsight, like I've never seen her that happy in the 41 years that I've known her. And the guys would come over, and the babysitter would be there, and it was like this really positive thing. And sometimes she would get involved with them for a while, and like they'd stay over, and they'd often be single dads, and the kids would all go like to the movies or. And it was just like these adults fumbling through dating as we all fumble through dating, no matter if you're 15 years old or 50 years old. And it was just normal and positive. And it's what greater gift can we give our children than to be honest and modeling healthy dating behavior because they're going to be dating sooner or later. They might already be dating. They might be teenagers. Well, that's pretty good advice. I mean, that you, you got to get out there. It's just you're, you're not doing yourself any favors or, or the kids for that matter if you're just going to be moping around being miserable. Yeah. Or being shame, ashamed and lying. I mean, people lie all the time. Like, they tell their kids they're not they, like they're going out with a friend or going to a business meeting or worse, sneaking guys in after they think the kids are sick. Don't do that. Like, it's your kids <laughs> home too. They all, it's very common. But well, they'll wake crazy. up in the middle of the night, and they'll, you know, that, that one time your child who's, who never gets up in the middle of the night, then that's the night they get up, and then it just becomes more confusing, and you have to dig your way out of a big hole later. Yeah. Well, it's just lies. You know, even if they don't catch an act, you're telling lies, and it's, it's creating shame around dating and sex, and that is really the bigger message. Like, that is what's going on in this country right now. Right. All of a sudden... We're having honest conversations about sex and gender. So be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Well, but there still needs to be some sort of discretion. I mean, I understand that you may not want to wait until you're deeply, deeply committed, but there's there should be, it seems to me, some keeping the kids out of it. 
right? I mean, you don't want to put the kids in the middle of your, your divorce or having them send messages back and forth, and you want them to be able to believe that they're going to have some stability in their life. That's right. That's right. You don't subject your kids. To the, I mean, because, you know, you're, you've been single for a while. Like, romance is tumultuous. It's, I think especially if you're coming out of divorce, you're so vulnerable and blah. Yeah, your kids are not your bartender. The real challenge is getting people to understand what dating is. Dating is not looking for a new spouse. You already had a spouse. That probably didn't work out so great. You're dating. You're going out and spending time with hopefully a nice person, having a nice time, seeing if there's a romantic connection, enjoying yourself. You're dating. It's not about introducing men like this is your new dad or this guy is going to be moving in or you know indulging your kids in the ups and downs of the romance or God forbid your sex life. Again, your kids are not your bartender. Emma Johnson's the author of The Kick-Ass Single Mom, Be Financially Independent, Discover Your Sexiest Self, and Raise Fabulous Happy Children. And she's also the creator of Wealthy Single Mommy, all one word, dot com. Emma, thanks for joining us. Great to have you. Oh, this is great. Thank you so much. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. Feedthepig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brunt, and it's time for an Ask Mr. Dad segment. Dear Mr. Dad, Back when I was in high school, all I wanted was to be independent. I wanted more responsibility, a job so I could have my own spending money, and I was obsessed with getting a girlfriend. Despite my parents' warnings, I experimented with drinking alcohol and, well, a few other things. I'm asking because my two teens have zero interest in any of that, and as far as I can tell, neither do their friends. Is there something different about teens today, or am I imagining things? Unfortunately, you're not imagining Teens and young adults these days are very different than we were at their age. San Diego State University researcher Jean Twangy and her Bryn Mawr colleague Hee Jung Park just published a study that confirmed what a lot of us have long suspected. Compared to their parents and grandparents, today's young people are much less mature, much less interested in taking on the trappings of adulthood, more on that in just a sec, and are content to be dependent on their parents for far longer. The quest for independence starts very early. Remember back when your kids were two and wanted to do everything themselves? And when they were three or four and wanted to do everything we did? Whether it was talking on the phone, working on the computer, or washing dishes? That process of seeking independence and engaging in adult-like activities continues through adolescence and, theoretically at least, ends at actual adulthood. But as Twangy and Park found, today's teens are in no hurry to grow up. Their study looked at teenage behavior going back as far as the middle to late 1970s and up to 2016. Let me give you a couple of examples. 
From 1976 to 79, 76% of 12th graders were earning at least some money. From 1990 to 94, that number had dropped a little, to 72%. But from 2010 to 2016, only 55% of teens were earning money on their own. In the 1970s, 88% of 12th graders had a driver's license, 84% in the 1990s. Today, it's just 73%. In the early 1990s, 72% of 10th graders and 84% of 12th graders had ever had a date. Today, it's only 57% of 10th graders and 63% of 12th graders have ever dated. Today's teens are less likely than those 20 years ago to go out without their parents, to go out on dates, or to have sex. The big question, of course, is why is this happening? I think some of the decline, particularly in dating and going out without parents, is the result of smartphones and social media. With all the technology that's available, today's teens may actually be communicating with each other more than we did at their age. Although, if your goal is to have sex, there's really no substitute for an in-person communication. I also put some of the blame on parents. Because we're having children later and we're having fewer of them, we try to protect our investment by doing things for them, like giving them money instead of expecting them to earn their own, and driving them everywhere they need to go instead of expecting them to get a license, pay for their own insurance, and drive themselves. Given that, it makes sense to stay young for as long as possible, doesn't it? If you've got a question or a comment for us, please do send it over. You can do that through our website, MrDad.com. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.